0: In meinem Podcast bekommst du sehr persönliche Geschichten von Mehrsprachigkeit aus der ganzen Welt zu hören. Lehn dich zurück und lass dich inspirieren. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Multilingual Stories. Today's guest is Catherine Price Borchert. I was really scared of that name. <laughs> of the transition from English to Austrian-German, actually. I'm super excited to have Catherine here today. We just spent about half an hour chatting before the podcast, (laughs) so now we finally hit record. Hi, Catherine. So pleased to have you uh, on board today. Do you want to introduce yourself to start with? Sure,
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. And it's it's really a pleasure to kind of meet you in person um, after being kind of friends online for so long. Um, I am an expat of 20 years in Austria and I'm a mom of three. Um, I I speak German, so I I was a German language learner at one point um, and I can talk about that a bit. I have a background in educational administration so kind of the the journey of other language learners here in Austria specifically is near and dear to my heart and um, yeah I I'm I'm from the south so I'm also from a place where kind of like Austria the yeah. accent is different from other other speakers of of the language so I'm I'm used to kind of some of the the difficulties that come with with the territory of having an accent
0: yeah so let's talk about that. Um, so you are married to an Austrian. You live in Austria. You live in Vienna, not that far away from me. Um, and, you know, Austrian German has its peculiarities. So how was that for you learning German? What kind of German did you learn initially? And how did you cope with the Austrian color to it?
1: Well, it was, I mean, it was Hochdeutsch. I, I learned Hochdeutsch at first. I was, um, I went so to standard public- German. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I went to a public elementary school in Atlanta and there was a pilot program to add German to the fourth grade class.
0: Um, oh, so you learned the, it in the States already? Yeah.
1: yeah across oh. the whole district. And so, and then I found out when I was in high school that I was the only one of like probably eight feeder schools. I was the only one who continued it to the 12th grade. So to Matura, to high school leaving certificate. And then I, I studied German in college and I went to...
0: Austria. in the states so you I studied did. okay yeah.
1: i went something else i went to a women's university i went to a women's college mm-hmm. a college is university in the states and mm-hmm. so my learning environment was all female which i loved um work hard play hard and um i like i liked austrian german because um kind of as we talked about earlier i i still make mistakes and i think austrian german is very forgiving because of the accent people kind of slide into their articles they don't it's not all crisp and clear like in in hochdeutsch and german german um and i appreciate that and i appreciate that there's there's probably room for a little more humor i think in kind of the the quips and the and and it and it it tracks with kind of um southern english there's a lot of idioms and I get
0: that. I totally get that. Um, So the thing is that, you know, Germans usually find Austrians super charming. So one of the feedback that I often get on my videos that I do, you know, it's like, oh, I just love listening to you. I love your accent. I'm like, okay, that's really cute and nice of you. But did you hear anything of what I actually said? And and
1: you're like a full grown woman, right? So you're like, okay, well, I can be charming too. I'll add that
0: to my my list. Yeah. Yeah, that too. So you came to Austria for your studies initially.
1: Yeah. And I was in, in Graz. Okay. And and then um, I went home and I finished my bachelor's and then I came back to I came back with the Fulbright program and I was an English teaching assistant in high schools here in first in Graz and then in Vienna. And I met my husband. So I I entered the workforce, we got married. Um Everything was here. I, our life is is very much in Austria. So you know, I as much as I, I and I've heard a lot of parents on your podcast talk about like that feeling they want to go home when, once they have children. Austria is home. There's there's so many benefits to raising a family here. Um, on the one hand, and then also vis-a-vis raising kids in the U.S. And so I have I have strong feelings about that, and and I'm really grateful to be raising a family here.
0: I think that's super interesting to hear from somebody who actually comes from the United States, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, uh, during my career as a linguist, there was the question, okay, so how am I going to continue professionally as an academic, you're expected to be globally mobile. And my husband, he actually studied in the States for 20 years. You know, he did his undergrad and his PhD in the States.
1: <clears throat>
0: and, um, We, you know, of course, the United States had amazing linguistics programs, but for us, it was clear we do not want to raise a family in the States. So this entire job market was off the table for for me. I was starting my career. You know, he already had his career at that point. Um, It was off the table because we did not want to raise children under these circumstances, basically. And it's interesting to hear that from an American
1: well, and I, I even have an acquaintance who was in the U.S. for work and her husband built a, a business there, both coasts, and um, she moved her family back to Austria because she wanted her kids to become teens here and have a similar experience that she had. And yes, I I saved my cheerleading uniform. You know, the kids know what homecoming is and um, you know they, they get this kind of feeling for me, but I would be a chauffeur if I were in the States. My husband and I would just basically be, you know, to school, to activities, to, you know, whatever it is that our our lives would revolve around a car, um, you know, safety in schools is an issue. Um, I'm from Georgia. I mean, it's not always been kind of the political situation that it is currently in the U.S., but um, I know that my children can enjoy a more independent life here in Austria and, uh, my oldest is in Scouts, which I've come from a scouting family as well, um, <laughs> even how my grandparents met. But I, you know, she walks down the street in in our district and people are waving and saying hi. And I'm like, this is a built in. Um, I don't want to say like security system because I want that. I want her to know she's a, her yeah. own independent person. But like it's a community and I appreciate that. And we've built that and we've worked hard on it. So mm. I I wouldn't trade that.
0: That's amazing. Sounds amazing. So um, you already touched upon a topic that is, of course, very dear to my heart, and I want to know more about that. So how do you manage to integrate American culture and your cheerleading uniform into your everyday life? Um, So we
1: are, I would say we're more of like English-centric family. Um, um, But you, I mean, you're asking, I know probably language and, and culture, but um we you know my oldest essentially chose English as the language that she was going to speak with her siblings and um which is you know I've my I have a child who visits a speech therapist and I I spent a lot of time kind of like um you know unpacking how how we are how we are and I speak English with my husband um I speak German um But we are a very English-centered family, you know, movies are in English, television is in English. Um, We have bilingual friends, um, but how we incorporate it in every day, I mean, we have a lot of contact with family, you know, thank goodness for things like, you know, the, the video, FaceTime, this sort of thing. We made a choice to go home for fall break this year. And like, we went hard. We, we did Disney, um, Halloween in the States, but my kids had never had that. So it's, it's um, choosing how we as a family, you know, both financially and, um, you know, goals wise, what we want to expose the kids to. And, you know, we, we have the best of both worlds. So that's we, we chose to we choose to kind of make these touch points, um, whether it's language, culture, um, experience for the kids.
0: So what's, what's the common language in your family? Does your husband speak German with the kids or does he speak English as well?
1: He he's, we've always done one person, one, one language. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he speaks German with the kids and, um, you know, as I think a lot of bilingual families noticed COVID threw a wrench in our plans and, um, our youngest was, was home with us for quite a long time. She, she has been kind of our, I mean, every kid is different. You also have three children, you know, that it, it, it just is a, it's, you, I think we even talked about being very smug with our older kids, you know, <laughs> their abilities, but she, um, she speaks English sometimes to her dad. And mm-hmm. so about a year and a half ago, we made a decision, um, you know, because it was mid COVID that she was going to start school later. She has a September birthday. We were going to start her in school mm-hmm. a year later to give her a chance to have more German.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: we pulled her out of her bilingual kindergarten where she's so charming. She was making everybody speak English with her. And so she basically had no touch point in her day except with her dad that mm-hmm. was German. And so um, we said, okay, we've got to, we, we want the kids to visit German only schools They get enough English at home. They really do. So I'm not worried about that. And I know the level of English taught in European schools is excellent. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. Um, so we she's in German kindergarten daycare and she'll go to a German speaking school next year. And that, that was what, you know, there's, there's so many feelings about that. And there's, I think for moms, there's a lot of like shame, whether it comes to, um, you know, am I doing the right thing? Um, something that kind of in our friendship group, I have a couple of expat friends. It's been, what are our kids' accents? Um, Because we get commented on at home uh, when we're among English-speaking family members or here, you know, oh, your child used an English word in place of a German word. There's there's a lot of external um, input that you get. And the older I get, I mean, I'm 13 years into my bilingual
0: Mm -hmm. parenting
1: journey. I'm able to kind of deflect a bit more. But of course, being an expat you you have tender spots for these types of issues yeah yes
0: of course yeah makes perfect sense but i love hearing from someone something like i'm not worried about english at all you know that's amazing that i mean of course you know in all fairness you have a huge advantage with english because as you said the support you get for english at school yeah. you know that that's That's unparalleled for any other language, maybe French in Vienna, because we have a French school in Vienna Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, some others, a Czech school. But, you know, but the level that you get for English, that's unparalleled, basically. Um,
1: And I also don't have that that shame that a lot of moms maybe mm -hmm. have speaking their language abroad, you know, in in Vienna, it's understood. Or even I might get a look if I'm, you know. I remember stopping with my daughter at a crosswalk, and here people people are very specific. You know, you stop, you wait, you become like a what is for? you're a you're an example for yeah. for others. But I, you know, I'll say we're stopping at the stoplight, and the person next to me who's a you know native German speaker will get it and yeah. you know smile and and there's an acceptance of it.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Even even in the countryside, when with our kids, you know. There's people because people understand the language and I can understand the frustration if you don't or having people, you know, people even categorize languages as like good or bad or, you know, and I know a lot of Austrians our age, their moms or dads were told to speak German to their kids. And so they don't speak their language that
0: so many many struggle with stigma that's yeah for yeah. sure so you have a huge advantage but still you know i also know other families where the languages are english and german and still you know they they don't carry it as um so i i love the word selbstverständlich in yeah. german you know this that is just the way it is. That's how we roll. That's how we do it, you know, and this is this is the ultimate goal for me for any family that I work with to reach this. This is what we do, you know, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks.
1: well, but it might help that it went the way I wanted it to go <laughs> because I think do you know what I mean like yes, it went it went my my way, but you know, I remember hearing. in in our friendship groups or like, I've been a part of the Vienna family network for 13 years now since I was pregnant and with my oldest. And a lot of times there was a lot of feelings about, you know, your child speaking back to you and in the environment language. And um, my oldest did, did not do that. And so I was very pleased with myself and my, and my second child did not do that either, but his language learning journey was different. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it, it's been very humbling to say, OK, I mean, he, he visits a speech therapist. Um, we've even engaged her for my youngest in preparation for school um, just to make sure. And I think that's probably also why a lot of people or parents seek out your assistance. They want to make sure they're doing it right. Yes. There's so there's so much riding on the feelings and pressures external. We're, we're both Montessori parents, so we have a kind of a different Einstellung, uh, you know perspective towards yeah. education but um yeah there's a lot of pressure when it comes to like just
0: getting it right yeah yeah for sure i have an entirely different question no actually no i do have an entirely different question but later first so how was the language journey for your children different so how was it different for the second one than for the first one Did you know that I also offer one-on-one consultations and packages in English? If you are currently facing challenges in your multilingual family life, or if you simply don't know how to best include all your languages, just send me an email and tell me about your struggles. I promise you, you can overcome whatever hurdles you are facing. Just drop me a line and I will personally get back to you. I look forward to hearing from you.
1: So it's a good question. So he um he has dyslexia. Mm-hmm. and um, it's it's been different for him because uh, we noticed that that speech wasn't his his speech was a bit difficult, you know, his vocabulary. um, we did baby signing as well. So I knew passively he understood so much. Um, but then we knew we needed to engage quite early. He started when he was three. Um with speech therapy. And I I loved on, I was listening to some of your like your back catalogue of podcasts, and your message to start early yeah. is so important. You know, if you if you have an inkling, better to be told go home yes, than exactly. to then to not get the help. Um and so we we started that journey with him, and it's been it's been so eye-opening and it's been so helpful for him. Um we're now in this in this phase where He's, he's made so much progress, um, you know, understandable, you know, he's, he's a very intelligent child, but something that I I learned recently from our speech therapist is that he's going through puberty and his face might change and he could lose because of the, the, the characteristics of puberty, he could lose some of the, um, the sounds that he's been able to create just simply because of the changes that are going to be happening with his body. And I thought, oh, but, you know, transit life is all about transition. So we'll get there when we get there. But, um, you know, my my oldest didn't struggle with those issues. And so to be a family where we have this neurodivergence, um, you know, on the one hand, and it's a you know, and there's there were so many opinions about it. You know, I got opinions from family members. Why don't you get your oldest to speak German to him? I could oh, not wow. do that if I tried. I couldn't do that if I tried or like doesn't dad speak German to him? And I'm like, of course, dad speaks German to him. Yeah. Um, lots of, lots of well-meaning advice. Um, so to kind of sift through that and find our own truth and, and the, and the path we were going to go. Um, yeah. And also kind of accepting that there's going to be challenges ahead of us mm. with the language journey with, with all of my, with, 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 with most of them. So,
0: yeah. That's so valuable. Um I love the fact that you brought up that you brought this up as um part of being neurodiverse. Yeah. So I told you before we started that I have this amazing podcast episode uh with a friend of mine a fellow linguist um who specialized in dyslexia and the the interesting thing for me about dyslexia like the very first thing to understand is we only call it dyslexia in a culture where written language where the written word matters mm-hmm. but this dysle- you know the fact that these people struggle with reading that only manifests or can only manifest in a culture where reading is important but really it's a neurodiverse brain that just yeah. the brain looks different so this the dyslexia you can see that in other areas um of behavior as well. And that's super important because these people are usually super creative. Those are usually the people who can think outside the box because of the way their brain is wired. And so
1: he's so, I mean, and I, I want to just, I really underline what you're saying is completely true for us. He, he's, you know, he, he, his flavor of dyslexia because that's something else there's a lot of, and then we had kind of the COVID bonus on top of that of like, you know, language learning was difficult, um, and then there was a school switch. But his flavor is that he struggles with um, with certain sounds and hearing certain sounds within words in German. Um, he reads voraciously, but he, the way he thinks, he he sees pattern. He he sees differences in patterns that I would never see. Like we we go to, on a hike, and he's finding um, a, a pin knife or like a you know Swiss Army knife, or he's seeing you know money someone left on the ground or um i didn't know that our our tv remote had a microphone and so instead of having to spell <laughs> spell the name of the show that he wants to watch he pushes the microphone button and he says what he wants it to to look up and i'm like you know will he have to produce the same type of um uh, language but will he have to produce the same type of results that maybe kind of kids today with dyslexia have to you know study hard on or or will it be different in the future and i think it will be because i think you know most of us are are we're preparing our children for jobs that we don't even know what they'll
0: be yet. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I so I can't
1: wait to listen to that episode.
0: I'm, I'm, I wish I, I, I would, we could hop yeah, on. Yeah, sure. To it now. Yeah. But you know, but it's another funny thing, like or funny or tragic thing, actually, you know, we call it dyslexia and we treat it as something that's a problem. Um, and we do not see all the good that, you know, every coin has two sides. Right. And, calling it dyslexia and focusing on the language part that's not the way that we expect it to or that society expects it to Mm -hmm. completely neglects the amazing cognitive abilities that these people have that I don't have right yeah
1: well and I think something else that when when we sought help for it um, and had him assessed something that was like the biggest What is toast? Like it was the biggest. uh, Consolation. Yeah, consolation to me is that the assessor told us, look, he has what, again, would be called deficiencies in this certain area. But he has had he had such great resources from being bilingual um, and from being a a child within a a large family, you know, and for being very, very intelligent that have helped him to adapt Mm -hmm. To to kind of make up for these these areas that were weaker, and I thought, you know, that's, that's the gift we're giving our kids is that you know whether we think so or not, it's that they have resources. We are giving them resources just by being the parents that we are, by them having the the richness of two languages or more, and and that helps them, you know, overcome whether they have a, a neurodivergence or not.
0: Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad you found the help that you needed and the help that actually helped your child and did not make things worse because, you know, that's also, you need to find the right people. And I always tell people, you know, find somebody who knows about bilingualism because it's not a given. And just because somebody knows about language or somebody is a pediatrician does not mean that they're necessarily experts on multilingualism. So now I want to ask the question that I wanted to ask before. Yeah. How come we're recording this podcast in English and not in German?
1: Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, Do I scratch my head? Do I get do? I do my tells that I'm feeling nervous? No, I mean, I I would say that I have like a C1 level spoken German, but written it's more of like a B2. Yeah, which you know, today in today's world where there's Google Translate, that's an excellent problem to have, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to speak German, but I, I, I've had the privilege to work in English Mm -hmm. in Vienna. Um, Every role I've had, I've, I've been able to, to speak English. And I, I feel like, especially if I'm going to be kind of sharing my story and, and being authentic to myself, I wanted to, to be able to speak English. You know, I, I did, I was listening to so many podcasts yesterday. I was like, does she laugh more when she speaks German? I wanted you to have like a good connection. I wanted you to enjoy this. And, but we have, we have so much in common. I don't think that's an issue, but you, you understand what I mean that sometimes, um, you know, you're, you can be more vulnerable in your, in your language of your heart. Um, But it's not always been easy for me to, to learn German. I mean, my college professor, who was Austrian, really you know, made me made me cry oh, when I said I wanted to spend the the year abroad. And she was like, "Why would you do that? You you were not that good in German." And but again, it's what been, an been, awful been, thing
0: to say. And and it well, also shows
1: our, our Austrian also shows interest. how
0: little she knows about language acquisition and language learning. Excuse me. I mean,
1: well, but you know, I that's something else. She was she was in her direct way and again that's something that I've had to get a thicker skin here um you know she was just trying to save me I think you know heartache or whatever but it was kind of the opposite because I ended up meeting my husband and immersing myself in life here and it all worked out fine but um yeah I think that you know having we we talked earlier being being over 40 and kind of just being comfortable with life, I was like, you know what? This is who I am. This is yeah. this is how I speak. This is how I I I live my life. I have Austrian friends who love to have to speak English with me because they. It's not they're practicing English by any means, but like their kids can, you know, gain something from it, or like they, you know, there's there's ways to express things in English that you can't in German and, and vice versa. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of comfortable with who I am. And, um, I, I visited a career coach a couple of years ago and she also, she said, you know, she's most comfortable in English, but she was like, and I tell companies who want to book me, I'll do it in German. I might do it in bad German. There'll be things missing, but her confidence has inspired me since then to be like, okay, I'm going to show up as who I am. So
0: So part of your answer sounded a little bit like you wanted to apologize or explain away why you didn't do it in German. But you said something so valuable, and I love that. So there are so many parents who consider speaking a language with their child who is not the language that they're most authentic in, that they're most comfortable in. And, you know, it really depends on where that language is coming from. So if it's a heritage language, I always encourage people to still pass it on because, you know, it's more than a means of communication. It's part of their roots. So please pass it on, but work on your language skills. But if it's a language that they only learned at school, um, or studied later in life. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm super fluent. Yes, maybe you are super fluent, but it's not the language that you will be most authentic in. It's not the language that you want to show up in for your child, because, you know, form that connection and that bond. And that is different when you do it in your first language. Yeah, And I love that you just brought that up now, because what we are talking about, it is very personal. It is your story. And for you, your story has been written in English, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's how you want to share it. And you know that's amazing. So there is no need to apologize for anything. There is no need to explain anything. I was just—I
1: I hinted on like saying like I'm confident in doing this choice, but yeah, I I I think that that's the case, and that's what I I know that a lot of the people I've encountered working with parents and you know in the in the Vienna Family Network that I've been in. There is, you know, you're apologizing for something. It's feeling ashamed of something. And what is that? It's that you're not, you don't, that what you have to offer, you know, or it's easier or, you know, there's so many excuses, situational, emotional. um, And I, I don't mean excuse in a bad sense. I mean, there's things that you kind of deals you make with yourself in your head about how it should be, or like my partner doesn't speak the language. Um, and i and i do realize that i've had the privilege of having english as the language that i can pass to my family and it's understood sure. here but i i feel strongly i have friends that are icelandic and the husband is a german speaker but grew up in chile so he's also got spanish to pass to the kids you know there're four or five languages but um yeah i think being vulnerable and and passing that on to your kids i remember when we came back in the summer my daughter wanted my youngest wanted to call my parents, and she did a. My dad wasn't there, so she had to leave a video, video message, and she said the word "y'all," and that's a southern. Oh my God! That's but so sweet. it was the first time I'd ever heard her say it. That brought was tears thinking, to your eyes. Oh my God! <laughs> I did something right. She's she's been exposed to this, and I've I've said yeah. it enough, and it was just like a, you know, heart opening moment, and yes, you know. Yeah.
0: It's a little bit like when I hear, you know, I usually, I, I started out speaking standard German with my children when they were born, even though I grew up in Upper Austria with a heavy accent and dialect. Um, but then I moved to Vienna at the age of 18. I very quickly picked up the Vienna Viennese standard German. And then for some reason, I started speaking standard German with my kids. And it was you know, and then I made a conscious effort to, you know, sometimes at least speak the dialect with them because I wanted them to at least understand it as well. And now, since we've moved back to Austria, you know, that was already like seven years ago. <clears throat> and the dialect has been coming through more and more and more in my German because you know I speak more often with my family. I see my family mm-hmm. more often. and um, and sometimes, especially when we go visit my mom, my children will start practicing or will demand me speaking dialect with them and then they will they will start practicing it and those moments when I hear like the like just yesterday my youngest said nah instead of nein instead of you know no but he used a dialect from for no and I was like Oh my god, now he's starting too. I love those moments. So I can totally relate to the y'all.
1: Yeah. So well, and you know, my parents did the same thing. They moved from deep south and they moved to the big city in Atlanta, and I have a different accent than they do. You know,
0: you don't speak very southern. I mean,
1: I mean, I they I would say it's more universal, but I I appreciate that, and I think it's appreciating. Yeah, there's a lot of things about the South, but appreciating that heritage of the language mm-hmm. that I can give to my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that word. There is. There's a lot of like feeling surrounding the word heritage. And yeah. I, I think. Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah, I like it, too. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you anything that you would still like to share that we didn't get to talk about?
1: No, I mean, I I related so much listening to. The other parents on your podcasts that I, you know, kind of back catalog was listening to, and I think that the message that I think that you, you know, you offer this wonderful service. I think that that you know, if you if you have concerns, reach out to someone, reach out to an expert. You know, that's how we connected with social media, where I I have my perspective and and my background in educational administration, but I'm not the expert, mm-hmm. and so I had someone reach out to me. I think I told you I recommend you probably three times a month to folks who who reach out and are like, Kat, how do you, how do you do it in your family? I'm like, well, this is how we do it, but if you've got concerns, this is who you should talk to. Um, Because it is a journey, it will change. You will have, you know, you're gonna have school influences, friend influences. You know, in here in Austria, my daughter listening to Connie, you know, Herbucher, you know, these like podcasts, and she's all of a sudden sounding like a German German. You have, I know, <laughs> not the thing. Sorry, sorry, Germans out there. But you know, there's going to be a lot of influences, and I think that that that's the that would be the message: is like it's okay, the feelings that you're feeling as a parent going through this language journey are are normal and um, they can be tricky. But like, get help if you think you need it. I think that that's that's the best thing for us. It was involving a speech therapist mm. um, who kind of can answer my my questions on a on a week to week basis. And for parents who might be in a country where they don't have help, how wonderful is it to have online help? I mean, thank God it's 2022, right? Because the parents parents who immigrated of years past, they didn't have that. Um, So that's maybe what I would want to add.
0: Thank you so much. So thank you for recommending me three times a month. I really (laughs) appreciate it. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, I'm so happy we finally got to meet um, after, you know, a really long time on and off conversing on um, Instagram. Um, Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your story.
1: Yeah. And hopefully again, sometime in person, right? We're not so far away. I
0: would love to. I would love that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks,